Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent interviews featured on JM the AM. Rabbi Yitzhak Hiziger was with us, editor over at Art Scroll. We were able to explore a whole bunch of brand new releases from Art Scroll available at artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio. My conversations are by Yitzhak Hiziger next on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, at some point over the last couple of weeks, it just. Um, <laughs> it just became obvious that there was an avalanche of releases uh, from our friends at Art Scroll, and we can't always get the author or the uh, or people involved in a project, a specific project, on the air. Uh, so we figured we'd uh, we'd invite on Rabbi Yitzchak Hiziger, who's an editor at Art Scroll and host of the Inside Art Scroll series, and just go through some of the material that's out there, so people could take advantage of the uh, releases of the offerings from Art Scroll, And I remind all of our listeners that everything on the Art Scroll website, including everything that we're going to be discussing today, is a 10% off, no minimum free shipping with promo code radio. Again, that's 10% off, no minimum free shipping with promo code radio. Take advantage. Rabbi Yitzchak Hiziger, editor at Art Scroll, host of Inside Art Scroll. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Good morning. Guten Chodesh. It's a privilege to be with you. I appreciate that. Guten Chodesh is right on this Rosh Chodesh Shvat. And we have, I mean, I have a pile of material here. I want to say right away, I'm going to say right off the bat, because I don't know if we're going to do a minute on each piece or we're going to do a few minutes on each. But the reality is that if we run out of time, we're going to have to already plan for a part two because... Uh, you're familiar with some of the material I've been sent this week. I'm literally sitting with a tower, a tower of Art Scroll offerings in front of me, uh, which we're going to start going through. So uh, you've seen this up close and personal, how over the last few weeks uh, a tremendous amount has been released, right? Yes, there's tons going on. There's a lot to talk about. I'm excited to talk about it with you. Um, but before we do so, I'd like to, if you don't mind, Sure. Uh, use this opportunity for two things. Number one, I'd like to wish a good morning to my dear parents, but specifically my mother, Mrs. Raina Hiziger, who's an avid Nachum Siegel listener. <laughs> We're talking about since the 80s. Wow. <laughs> she's, been, she's been spending the mornings with you. So I would like to wish her a good morning. And I'd also like to uh, give a shout-out to one of my favorite people, your brother, Rabbi Chaim Nachum Siegel, who is so kind and so encouraging, calls me from time to time, just to give me some feedback, tell us how, you know, how we got to keep doing what we're doing at Art Scroll. And so Rabbi Siegel uh, out in Staten Island, we want to thank him for his chizuk. And I'm, I'm thanking him personally for the encouragement and all the kind words that he shares with me. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank you, Nassim. Uh, it was not that long ago, a few weeks ago, that you were kind enough to come down to Art Scroll headquarters in Rahway, New Jersey, and you sat down with me for an inside Art Scroll conversation. It was a riveting conversation. I'm still getting feedback from people who have listened to the interview either on a podcast platform or they've watched it on uh, on the various websites where our interviews go out. And um, it was it was really intriguing to sit with you and for you to provide some fascinating background into your career, into how you've gotten to where you are, and also fascinating to hear the passion with which you spread the message of Art Scroll. And you, you really connect to what we're doing. 
And it, I must tell you, Nachum, you give us a lot of chizuk by how excited you get with each release. There's so much work and so much time put in by from the top down, from Rabbi Gedalia's Lodowitz and Rabbi Aaron's Lodowitz to the rest of the team, Rabbi Sherman, Rabbi Brander, all the graphic designers, the writers, the Tamid Chachamim, as Rabbi Meir's Lodowitz called it, a genius cluster. <laughs> and it really is it really is a genius cluster, a, a, a collection of some of the brightest minds in the publishing industry, but there's so much effort that goes into it, and your passion and excitement is kind of that cherry on top, that validation that what we're doing is resonating with the masses. So thank you, Nachum, and I'm excited to get into some more specifics about the various projects that have been released of late. Well, I appreciate that very, very much. I'm glad to hear that uh, my uh, comments uh, did not cause any controversy during that interview, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> not at all. Actually, Nachum, the most common question after people told me how much they enjoyed it is people wanted to know, why were we sitting on those seemingly uncomfortable stools? Why couldn't you sit, why couldn't you sit in a regular chair? And I, I had to explain to them that due to your greatness. <laughs> to your sheer greatness. Physical we greatness, right. Physical, Physical greatness. greatness. Well said, Rabbi Hesiger, well said. But yes, folks, when you are when you are my size, you have to think a thousand times about the setting that you're actually going to be sitting in that people will see you in. And uh, they were very accommodating over there at the Arts Girl Studios to say the least. Uh, all right. So we have an entire list, or as I call it, a massive tower of offerings out there in no particular order, if you don't mind, Rabbi Hizger, no particular order. And like I said, if we have to have you back, we'll have you back just to go through the rest. But there are so many things there. Uh, there's a book called Ask the Rabbi, Honest Answers to Candid Questions from Live Q&A Sessions with Rabbi Chaim Mintz. This is, I mean, we're talking about an almost 400-page book. Um, I guess I guess you, you, you'd call this a, a combination of, of uh, Emuna and Musser. Would that be the right way of putting it? I don't know that it's a Muna and Musser. What I would say is, to simplify it, Ask the Rabbi, which, by the way, is an amazing book. Whoever has, whoever has picked it up, and we're talking about people who are from from birth, not necessarily those who, are, who have come to Judaism later in their life, but even people who were born into a from environment have many questions in Hashkafa that are somewhat complex and are not always answered in the course of day-to-day, you know, from Chinuch. Right. And what Reb Chaim Mintz, who's the Mashkiach of Yeshiva of Staten Island, and is not scared to take on difficult, somewhat daunting issues related to Judaism, what he does is, in a very candid and clear manner, he takes on these topics. You know, uh, some of my favorite ones are... Um, I'm trying to think, why would a compassionate God put us through Gehenna? Right. I mean, that's a, that's a question that some people have thought about but may not want to articulate. And Rabbi Mintz and his students who have helped put together this book, what they've done is a tremendous service to Klal Yisrael by tackling the issues head-on. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, how do we understand the terrorist attack taking place in a shul, people are davening to the Rabbi Nishal mm-hmm. how, how are we as from Yidin supposed to understand that? How do we understand Gilgulim, reincarnation? Why did Hashem create so many religions in the world? These are just fascinating topics that Rabbi Mintz tackles in this book. 
And I'm telling you, people who pick it up tell me that they can't put it down. The questions are, are the types of queries that people think about but don't necessarily articulate. And Rabbi Mintz offers clear, understandable answers. They're brief answers, so it's not like you have to delve into this deep intellectual uh, discussion of many pages. They're short to the point. And you'll, you'll, no matter what the question and no matter what the answer, every person will leave reading this book with a greater, greater clarity of some of the fundamentals of Judaism. And that's a priceless gift that Rabbi Mintz has given us. Part, uh, parts of this book include the Amun and Bitachan perspective, understanding tragedy, Orthodox beliefs and theological ideals, Mashiach and life in other worlds, Jewish law and reasons for what we do. In fact, there's a question here of why we say half halal on Rosh Chodesh, which of course applies exactly. applies to today. Uh, so check it out, everybody. It's uh, it's 183 different questions with really a uh, uh, an amazing perspective. And as Rabbi Hizger said, uh, pretty short responses, so you don't have to worry about uh, uh, getting lost in an answer to these questions. It's Ask the Rabbi, Honest Answers to Candid Questions, live Q&A sessions with Rabbi Chaim Mintz. Uh, that is from Art Scroll, done in conjunction uh, with Ura. Uh, the Sefer Zera Shimshon, the classic Torah commentary of Rabbi Shimon Chaim Nachmani, has been translated, annotated, and elucidated. I am holding Sefer Shmos, Parshio Shmos, through Bo. Tell everybody, what is the Sefer Zera Shimshon? This is a fascinating Sefer, and it deserves, you know, the proper time and treatment. Uh, I was there recently to interview on Inside Art Scroll Rabbi Binyamin Pashkis, who is one of those together with the Rabbi Zilberberg. They're responsible and credit goes to them for disseminating the Torah of the Zera Shimshon, who Reb Shimshon Chaim Nachmeni was an 18th century Rav in Italy. Italy at the time was a major center of Torah. And what's fascinating is that the Zerah Shimshon, despite having been written, what, about 250 years ago, basically lay dormant for many, many years, and people were not familiar with, it, with, with his writing. So mm. that alone is a fascinating thing. Uh, it was about 10 years ago that Rabbi Nachman Seltzer wrote an article about it, and there's a history that we won't have time to get into here. But basically there grew a movement of those who were connected to the Zara Shimshin for a very, very unique reason. And that is as follows. Rabbi Nachmeni, who was a native of Modena, he died in 1779. He basically lived at the same time as the Arachayim HaKadosh, to give people some perspective. He had one son who died at a young age, and Rev. Shimshin Chaim Nachmeni made an unusual request that anyone who learns his writings in the Zerah Shimshin or the Talda Shimshin, those are his two, two svarim, they're promised with abundant blessings. And he delineates in his introduction that they'll be blessed with Parnassa and children, etc. And, you know, Klal Yisrael connects to Segulais. You know, uh, there is no shortage of needs. Merubim Tzarche as we say, People need parnasa, children, shidduchim. People are looking for ways to amass zechusim. And when you have someone who lived 250 years ago promising you that if you study his writings, 
that he'll advocate on your behalf above for the blessings that you need in your life. It, it talks to you. But as Miriam Zakon, one of our editors in Eretz Yisrael, put it so well, people have come to the Zerashimshin for the Segula, but they've stayed for the Tyra. Hmm. And what she, me- what she meant was that, of course, the school is what gets people's attention, but the Torah thoughts of Reb Shimshim Chaim Nachmeni are so insightful and so practical on the weekly Parsha that you end up having a great appreciation for what he's offering. And, and, wh- and whatever we understand of school is, and definitely uh, far be it from me to uh, try to come off as an expert on school is. Now, but- I'm holding a 700-page Safer, which is only on three partios. Exactly. So this project was undertaken by Art Scroll. Again, Rabbi Gedalia Zlatowicz is a visionary. He looks ahead. He sees what people need. He understands. You know, he kind of has his finger on the pulse. And he understood that there were many people who would like to tap into the Torah of the Zereshimshin. But the writing is not so easy to understand, even if you have a grasp of Lush and Kodesh. It's a challenging text to navigate. And Artsko put together a team led by Rabbi Shmuel Kersner, Rabbi Aaron Lipschitz, Rabbi Yosef Asher Weiss, and others uh, to elucidate the text, word-for-word elucidation, of the Zereshimshin, accompanied by a commentary with insights to kind of enhance our understanding of the Zereshimshin. And the volume you're holding was beautifully designed by our own, the legendary Rabbi Shia Brander. What this, this Zereshimshin set is projected to be 10 volumes. Wow. The first volume that you're holding is Shmoisva a Rabbi. Right. The volume of the Shalach and Yisri just went to print yesterday. I was standing in the Archco bindery and I saw them putting it on the printer. Um, we are going to be taking some out of a break then, till Devarim, and we'll kind of be going, releasing volumes as the Parshios HaShavua pass. We'll be releasing volumes gradually. It's a two-and-a-half-year project to get out the whole ten-volume set. Wow. But this is, an, this is an incredible revelation. I want to share somewhat of an, an analogy Earlier this year, not that long ago, we released the Beis HaLevi on Betachem, right. which is an essay of the Beis HaLevi on fundamental concepts in belief and Jewish faith. And what's fascinating about the Beis HaLevi on Betachem that many people may not know is that that essay was sat in a suitcase for decades, till 1985. The Beis HaLevi's essay on Betachem was not known, and then it was initially printed as part of the Beis HaLevi's commentary on Chumash, and then people released it as a small pamphlet on Betachen. And then Rabbi David Sutton did the service by taking the Shar the uh, I'm sorry, not the Shar Betachen, but the Beis HaLevi on Betachen, right. and and also elucidating and releasing it in the art scroll Beis HaLevi on Betachen. Why do I bring up the Beis HaLevi on Betachen? Because if any one knowledgeable with Torah works, and they'll say, oh, Beis HaLevi on Betachen, of course, it's uh, such a famous work. But they may not realize that till 1985, no one knew about it. And the Rabbani Shalom gave us a gift in the release of the Beis HaLevi on Betachen, and now the Dera Shimshu, which has been around 
but for whatever reason hasn't gained popularity till now. The Rabbanu Shalom has allowed Klal Yisrael to now taste the beauty and the sweetness of the Zereshimshin's commentary on Chumash. And I think that the popularity is only going to grow over time. And thanks to people like Rabbi Pashkas and Rabbi Zuberberg and others, there are newsletters containing uh, weekly snippets from the Zereshimshin. And I must mention, Nachum, that your very own Rabbi David Goldwasser delivers a daily shear in Zereshimshin over the phone. I believe that some, some kind of number, like a thousand people, call in every single day to hear Rabbi Goldwasser's own explanation of the Zereshimshin. So this is a movement, and it's going to grow, and Art Scroll is growing with it by providing this elucidation of the Zereshimshin's commentary. It's a very exciting project. Uh, I must say a tremendous thanks goes out to the visionary sponsors, including the Haas family, who have sponsored the general project, and the individual sponsors who have taken on to sponsor individual volumes and the Sidarim of the Chumash. By the way, uh, anybody who has this volume already, Shmos uh, through Bo, uh, pay careful attention to the first drush in um, in Parshas Va'era for tomorrow night at the Shabbos table. It's an amazing drush about Shem Hashem. Uh, for those of you who want to uh, explore that topic, which is a fascinating one, you'll see it there in the Sefer Zera Shimshon. All right, that's available, of course, uh, as is asked the rabbi, which was the first one that we went through. You mentioned Skula before. I want to give a uh, a shout-out to Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, A Tiny Taste of Heaven. We spoke to him on the air about it, about Hafrashas Chala, but you just mentioned in your presentation a moment ago about the uh, Jewish uh, people's connection to Skulos, and uh, I don't think we've seen any more active Skula right now in this era than the Hafresh Eschala one uh, that people turn to, so I wanted to give a shout-out to Rabbi Seltzer, and people should be aware of that book as well. 100%. The, the, the book is an interesting one. Many people would be surprised to hear that there's a whole book just on Hafresh Eschala. <laughs> yes, but, agreed. Uh, <laughs> Rabbi, Rabbi Seltzer, who's a prolific author, uh, you and I both marvel at his ability to put out books seemingly every half a year or so. And uh, he connected with Nava Ben Moshe, who's a, a dynamic woman out in Los Angeles, originally from Israel. She and her husband run the Ma'ar Kira Center there, and she's spread awareness of Yiddishkeit in general, and Afrasha Schala in particular. And from her experiences, she's gleaned amazing, amazing stories. She gives Unbelievable shiurim. She's a dynamic speaker. She has a treasure trove of stories. And Rabbi Seltzer took those stories and compiled them into a book. And I think what's unique about Afrash Atchala is that it's an easy mitzvah and an easy way to reach Jewish hearts. And uh, if I remember correctly, she ends the book by saying that we all have to do our part to reach out to those of our brethren who perhaps aren't as connected to their heritage as we want them to be. And whatever small thing we could do to influence someone toward the path of Torah and mitzvot, that's our responsibility, and Afrash Hatzchala gives us that ability. And uh, this book is a very, very special book. You'll pick, you know, people will pick it up and read it. It's very uplifting, very warm, 
and uh, kudos to Rabbi Seltzer for another masterpiece. Tiny Taste of Heaven is what it's called, everybody. Uh, Rabbi uh, Yitzchak Hiziger is with us. He's editor at Art Scroll. He's host of uh, Inside Art Scroll. And the brand new book is called Rav Yaakov Bender on Chumash. Many of us are familiar with Rabbi Bender and his uh, not not just his uh, um, uh, incredible uh, leadership in the community, but also his uh, uh, unique approach to uh, Jewish education and how successful he's been in that area. And now he has a, a book of classic Torah insights and inspiring stories of Gedoli Yisrael from a beloved Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Yaakov Bender. And by the way, Rabbi Hizgra, I always like pointing out um, that uh, this week, if someone gets Rabbi Bender on Chumash, uh, they will see an amazing discussion of why in this week's Parsha, in one Pasuk, Aaron comes before Moshe when they're mentioned together, and in the next Pasuk, uh, Moshe comes before Aaron. And again, with Jewish education and approach to an approach to other people in mind, Rabbi Bender has amazing insights. Rabbi Bender has a unique ability to connect to people. He's a legend in the field of Jewish education, as you mentioned. But I think what's, what's amazing about this Sefer is that it's not just another Sefer on the Parsha. The Divrei the, Torah the are relatable and repeatable. Yep. And the stories that Rabbi Bender shares from Torah giants with whom he connected, like Rib Shalom Shvajron, Rib Shmuel Birnbaum, Rib Shmuel Brudny, and others, these are stories that you won't necessarily find anywhere else. And they're told in Rabbi Bender's inimitable, endearing way. Um, there's a story there. I mean, there are so many great stories in this book, Nachum. There's a story there, I believe it's in Parsha's Boy, that just can, just was so heartwarming. There's, there was a famous member of Knesset, Rabbi Avram Ravitz. Yeah. And before he was a member of the Knesset, people may not know, he was a Rosh Yeshiva. Right. And uh, there was a bacher in the yeshiva. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I have to remember the story exactly. But there was a bacher in the yeshiva who was Machal Shabbos. And Rabbi Ravitz felt he had no choice but to expel the student from the yeshiva because it was going to impact the other students negatively. And he calls the bacher in, and he tells the student, you know, I, I regret to let you know that I, I, I must release you from the yeshiva. Right. <laughs> and the student and the student turns to him and says, "You know, I accept what you're saying, but please do me a favor. Don't tell my parents that the reason why I'm being expelled is because of my desecration of Shabbos. I'm concerned about the amount of pain that that's going to cause them. Right? Tell them that. Tell them I'm changing yeshivas because I want a new start. I want a refresh. Right? Please don't tell them that the reason is because of full Shabbos. And Rabbi Rabbits." listened to the boy and then told him, could you do me a favor and join us in this yeshiva? And the bacha was confused <laughs> because he was just expelled. He's just expelled, and here the yeshiva is asking him to join the yeshiva. Yeah, and Rabbi Ravitz, Rabbi Ravitz's response was that if a student in a moment of expulsion could think with sensitivity about how his parents are going to feel, when they find out that their student, that their son was sent from a yeshiva because of Chol Shabbos, if he could think with such sensitivity, then there's greatness within, and I want that type of student in my yeshiva. Yeah. And Rabbi Bender personifies the combination of menschlichkeit with Torah, 
he's all about growing his students in Torah and Avodah and Avodah Hashem. But every message of Rabbi Bender is accompanied by a lesson in being a mensch. And that's why uh, in my interview with him on Inside Art School, he mentioned that children are often so excited when they see snow falling outside and they find out that they have a snow day <laughs> and they're going to be off from school. Right. But he, he quoted his Rebbe, Rav Shmuel Brudny, who said that children must temper their excitement when they see snow outside because what that means is that the next day when it freezes over, there are elderly people who won't be able to leave their house because of a fear of slipping and hurting themselves. Right. We must, we must always think of the other person. And Rabbi Bender's message about caring for others and also showing how each child and each adult could be a great person, how we each have balanced potential, is a message for our time. It's a message we need to hear. It's a message that runs through this entire book, which is written in such a down-to-earth, practical way. So with the Divrei Taira and with the stories, we walk away with a message of feeling proud of who we are as a member of Kal Yisrael, proud to be Hashem's children, with the knowledge that we each have the ability to tap into our own greatness. It's a, it's a fabulous safer. There's a reason why it's selling so well. There's a reason why in an age when Parsha books are not necessarily the hottest selling item, Rabbi Yaakov Bender has shown why his approach to Chinuch and his approach to leadership is so, so unique. Rav Yaakov Bender on Chumash, check it out, everybody, and specifically check out the first Vart on uh, Va'era. You'll find it intriguing, especially in light of uh, how important uh, Jewish education is. All right, Rabbi Hizger, we got two minutes, and I apologize, but but this is good because we're, we're going to schedule a part two, please, God, for next week if you're available because there's so much to talk about. We haven't even touched the books about Rav Kalevsky and Rabbi Gissinger, and we haven't uh, – we, we're, we're going to have Rabbi Bamberger on next week, Bezrat Hashem, so we'll, he'll be able to speak about his uh, – Brand new one. I know. I know you wanted to say a word about Envoy from Vienna. Is that something that's expected out? Yes, Envoy from Vienna. I'll just mention uh, quickly is the latest uh, volume in the Strasbourg series by Abner Gold. Many people may know the name Abner Gold from his classic books over the years on historical fiction. He is the premier Jewish writer when it comes to historical fiction. He's, he's brilliantly written books like uh, The Promised Child, The Dream, The Year of the Sword, Twilight, The Imposter. I know I'm leaving some out. The Purple <laughs> Ring. These are books that many people are familiar with. But I just want to mention Envoy from Vienna uh, is coming out. It's a book that focuses on the period of 1668 to 1670. And it uses a fictional character named Alicia Ringel, who encounters the decision of the Queen of Spain to expel the Jews from Vienna, and he accepts the mission to serve as a secret envoy uh, on behalf of the Jewish people, and he's ambushed and he's pursued, and only Avner Gold could take a period of time in the, in the 1600s, the 17th century, and bring it to life where people in 2021 will read it and be absolutely fascinated by it. Uh, there's one more book in the Avner Gold series coming out in a few months. This is a classic series, and I think everyone will enjoy it immensely. 
So thank you for mentioning it, and uh, definitely another feather in the cap of the Abner Gold series. And, and I just have to mention before you go, and, and I hope next week we'll have an opportunity to go into this more, um, this unbelievable Mizmar Latoda Tehillim, the illustrated Tehillim, is one of the most amazing uh, Tehillim publications I've ever seen. The artwork is incredible. Uh, the uh, the English introductions to each of the uh, Pirkei Tehillim, to each chapter of Tehillim, just amazing. I think that between this and the Tehillim Mechulok, between the two of them, uh, and the Mechulok, of course, is the one that... Um, uh, that is divided up into you know into into parts so that everybody in a in a synagogue, for instance, can just take one and in a period of minutes the entire Tehillim could be said by the entire crowd. I think these two Tehillim publications are going to increase people's awareness of saying Tehillim and their desire, frankly, to say Tehillim. There's no doubt about it. Listen, the words of David Amelech and Tehillim are timeless. David Amelech doesn't need our help promoting his words. Klal Israel has connected to Tehillim uh, in a very special way. However, there is a certain amazing element in imagery that brings the words Tehillim to life. And the Waxburger Tehillim, which you refer to, with, a, with a, just amazing artistry for each capital, really does enhance the recital of Tehillim. And it's a great gift item, but it's also a great gift for oneself. Because when you sit in front of such a tehillim and you say the words and you look at the way the artist conveys the messages and the feeling, the hergish of tehillim, it really, really does enhance tehillim in a very unique way. 100%. Uh, and we'll get more into it next time we speak. Uh, Rabbi Hiziger, great job. Sorry we didn't get to everything, but hey. <laughs> you know, sometimes it takes time to describe everything to everyone and to uh, get people excited about uh, these works, which are just remarkable. Uh, information about all this, everybody, at artscroll.com, artscroll.com. Enjoy 10% discount with promo code radio and free shipping and no minimum. Always use promo code radio when you go to artscroll.com. Rabbi Yitzchak Hiziger is, the, uh, is an editor at Artscroll and host of Inside Artscroll. Thank you so much, and please, God, we'll speak again very soon. Yes, I'm looking forward, Nachum. You know, the... They say in the world of Jewish publishing that the period of January, February, there's supposed to be a lull in the action because it's kind of post-Hanukkah, but it's not yet Purim. But somehow at Art Scroll, there's so much going on, and, uh, and the readers are responding. So we're excited. I look forward to speaking to you again, and we'll keep uh, highlighting these volumes, which aim to enhance our service of Hashem. And we thank you, Nachum, again for your part in disseminating that message. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Rabbi Yitzchak Hiziger. A reminder to always use promo code radio when you visit artscroll.com. Next up is Phil Rosen. We had an opportunity to discuss the life and legacy of Sheldon Adelson. Phil Rosen, a recent guest on JM in the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, many of you have heard of the news uh, this week of the passing of uh, Sheldon Adelson. And that we wanted to get a perspective on just how vital a figure he has been in the Jewish world for decades. Our good friend Phil Rosen knew him well. Phil, of course, as you know, vice chair of uh, at Yeshiva University and uh, Birthright Israel, American Friends of Lee Kud. Uh, but in this case, uh, we've invited him on to discuss 
how a billionaire philanthropist can make such a difference in the Jewish world. Phil Rosen, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nelson. Thank you. It's great to be back. It's great to follow a great presentation by Art Scroll. I'm a big fan of Art Scroll. Oh, yeah. You know, your, your family is well connected to Art Scroll. That's yeah, right. We, we dedicated the sitter, the right. old Hebrew Ashkenaz sitter, Yitzhak Yair. Yeah, I told you I have boys uh, in my family who refuse to use any, any other sitter, frankly. Right. Uh, right. It, it, has be, it has become such a state. People now, now that people realize that, you know, um, which sitter we're talking about, if they now, when you pay attention, folks, next time you go to shul, there's a good chance that that's the, the staple of your synagogue is that sitter, uh, Yitzhak Yair, yeah. that, uh, that Phil just mentioned. Uh, how many years ago did you first meet Sheldon Adelson? So we met, I would say, maybe 20 years ago. Um, we met, we sat on a board together, and we happened to sit near each other at a meeting, and we got into talking or whispering during the meeting, and uh, we developed a relationship. Um, relationship intensified tremendously when I got very interested in birthright, right. and um, he asked me to join the board, and I did, and now I'm vice chair of birthright. Um Sheldon Adelson, um, you know, you can make comparisons to other billionaires. You make comparisons to past um, very wealthy Jews. The only comparison that even comes close is the Rothschild family. And the reason for that is because they each decided to change the future. Not the present, just, but the future as well. And... um, kind of amazing when somebody decides to do that. You know, he knew what his money was doing. So birthright brings people back to Judaism. So far, it's brought 750000 When Sheldon first joined birthright, he didn't start it. Two wonderful men, um, Charles Bronfman and Michael Steinhardt, started the organization. But Sheldon basically gave it a, a, a new force. When Sheldon joined Birthright was sending, you know, five, ten thousand um, young Jews to Israel. When he got involved, we moved the numbers up to fifty thousand a year, and it's been fifty thousand a year up till COVID every year, um, which is magnificent. If you think about it, literally, Birthright has a ninety-nine percent success record that people claim that Birthright forms a new connection to Judaism, um, changes their lives. And Sheldon decided that he was going to change the lives of tens, hundreds of thousands of Jews, you know young what, Jews. You know what's interesting? And look, I mean, you know, anybody, anybody knows this, whether they're a business person or not. It's all about, or, or I shouldn't say it's all about, it's so, it, it's so much about return on investment. And when someone like him realizes the number of Jews and the number of young Jews that he whose lives he could change with a big check like you just described they took they take that return on investment very very seriously and i think so that true. those are the types of projects he looked for right even, even when you think of even when you think of what he did with the newspaper in israel he looked at it as a yep. way to reach hundreds of thousands of people at a time yep he he realizes he he realized that uh, 
his money could make a difference in the world. And it's not, you know, the amazing thing is there are, thank God, there are a good number of Jewish billionaires, but very few, in fact, just one, step up like Sheldon did and decide that they're going to change the lives of the Jewish people, of the Jewish future. I mean, it's mind-boggling what he did and what his, what his money is going to continue to do. I mean, his wife was fully his partner side by side, and Mary is going to continue his efforts with Birthright and with other organizations that they got involved with. They really want to be the force um, that changes the future. And, um, you know, so many people have worked so many years on Kira Project. This is the most successful Kira Project by far in history. Phil Rosen with us, remembering Sheldon Adelson. Uh, Phil, um, why are there so many people in our community with um, tremendous resources who don't want to be involved in these types of activities? And why, thank God, are there so many people in our community with these types of resources that do want to be involved in these types of activities? So I think one you know excuse that's given by people is that they don't think that they can make a difference. And Sheldon proved that every single person could make a difference. You know, the amazing thing about Birthright, just to give it a little pause over there, is that um, every $3,000 changes a life. Right. So so if somebody has, if somebody has limited funds and they're wondering, you know, do they need do they need to have an Adelson bank account to make a difference? The answer is no. <laughs> they can make, this is this is the example we always use that, you know, for for some people, you know, $20 is the is the difference between a stressful Shabbos and a peaceful Shabbos, you know, so people should keep that in mind. So no matter what people have in the bank or what they're capable of giving, uh, if they if they look, they're going to find ways to really change people's lives. You bet. Sheldon told the story. I mean, one of the things that uh, stood out about him in the last few months was he made a decision that the employees of his casino company, um, Las Vegas Sands, were going to continue to receive their paycheck. Right. Even even though the casino was closed. Right. Even though they weren't working, they were, they were out, and uh, he decided not one paycheck was going to be was going to be left behind. Right. And um, when people asked him why, he gave a great story. He said that when his father would come home from work, his father was, was very, he, he describes him as very poor. And he said his father would come home from work and he put money in the pushka. And um, he asked his father, I don't understand, we could use the money probably more than some other people. He said, no, there's always some, excuse me, there's always somebody who could use it more than we can. Mm. And that, that Sheldon's belief that always was. So if that's a message for people out there, there's always somebody who could use the money more than you can. No question about it. Phil Rosen's with us. Look, you, we've, we've told this audience a million times that nobody knows the Prime Minister of Israel better than you do. Why did the two of them get along so well? I get it ideologically, you know. But but it was more than that. It, it, the the way they behaved with each other and the way they appreciated each other looked a lot more than just being aligned ideologically. How would you describe the Adelson 
Netanyahu relationship? No, they both they both had the same view about the Jewish future and about Israel. They knew that strengthening Israel was strengthening the Jewish people forever. And that's what each of them considered. Um, so Netanyahu did it by strengthening the country in all sorts of ways, economically, um, militarily, uh, diplomatically. And um, Sheldon did it by strengthening the, the Jewish future, by making sure that there's a connection between hundreds of thousands of American and European, etc., Canadian Jews, making sure they have a connection to Israel that would last forever. I think the biggest advocates on college campuses, one, one of Sheldon's causes was also um, strengthening um, the Jewish fight back on college campuses against right. BDS. And the strongest fighters in that effort were always the birthright kids, because they, they knew they came back from an educational, a 10-day educational experience that taught them so much about Israel and the arguments for the Jewish future. He, and, he literally uh, he literally created advocates for Israel, which is amazing. <laughs> we need them he everywhere. Did. <laughs> he did. He did created, you know, 750,000 of them. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. I think, you know, if you think about Jewish causes, you know, it's, it's so hard to measure success. With birthright, it's not so hard at all. We have people at uh, Brandeis, um, the, Dr. Sachs, who um, who measures every um, couple of years the success of birthright. How are we doing? Um, remember that famous Ed Koch line: "How are we doing? Right. How am I? Doing? How am I so doing? We we measure birthright success um, in a lot of different ways, but the connection to Israel and the connection to Judaism is the main way. And uh, you know the amazing things that have come out of birthright. Things like um, marriages, you know, the Michael Steinhardt used to say that any two birthright kids get married, that he would um, he would pay for the honeymoon. It became too expensive, and he stopped paying. Um, but that's, uh, that's what I, didn't even, I didn't even know that. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Rosen is with us. Finally, look, it's no secret. Um, that he was a big fan of getting Donald Trump into the White House, obviously. Um, the, the way the news, I'm not talking about Jewish news sources, I'm not talking about people like us, but the way the news media in general has been focusing on Shelley Adelson's passing, um, they, they note that all the influence he had in this White House, and therefore the embassy was moved, the Iran deal was canceled, etc., etc., I don't know how much of that is really attributed to him, but would you say that one of the ways he changed the future was by getting involved on the American political scene and being in a position with Trump in office to actually, I don't want to say make demands, but to make strong suggestions like the ones I just described? Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, the way Sheldon looked at uh, his involvement of the Republican Party through the RJC and other organizations, he always looked at it. JINSA, one of the other organizations, um, he always looked at it as how will this affect Israel and the Jewish people. Every single thing that passed through his desk, um, he looked at it with that that eye, and uh, that was an amazing thing about him. You know, we would talk about uh, 
candidates. You know, I, I've spoken to them uh, hundreds of times about different candidates. And every time um, the focus was, how will this candidate help Israel? Wow. Um, and uh, it's just amazing that he was, he was so focused on Israel and the Jewish people. And that's, that's the greatness of Sheldon Adelson. That'll go down in history as uh, one of the greatest Balit Staka in the history of the Jewish people and one of the greatest advocates for Israel and the Jewish people was Sheldon Adelson. And we all have the ability to do it. We may not have the resources. We may not get the same publicity. We may not be known internationally, but we all have the ability at every level to do what you just described, to advocate for Israel, to fight for the future of Israel and the Jewish people, and, of course, in uh, in many ways, even if in, in small ways, to make sure that people who are in greater need than us have what they need. Phil Rosen, I thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. We, will we, should only, we should only follow in his ways and his footsteps and try our best to do the best we can to help Israel and the Jewish people. Amen. And you, you do it every day, Nachum, so thank you. I appreciate that very much. And yes, people wonder about lessons learned from someone like a casino magnet, right? A magnate in the casino industry. Here's an opportunity to learn how one can... Uh, uh, no matter what your background and position can make a difference out there, especially for the future of Israel and the Jewish people. Thursday morning broadcast, Rosh Chodesh Shvat. My thanks to Phil Rosen. My thanks to all of you for tuning in. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Phil Rosen, remembering the life of Sheldon Adelson. Chevy Rosner, president of the Orthodox Jewish Nurses Association. She was on to discuss an upcoming seminar that's happening online, open to everybody, not just medical professionals. My conversation with Chevy Rosner next on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. JM and the AM on a Tuesday morning broadcast. The president of uh, the Orthodox Jewish Nurses Association is Chevy Rosner, and she is with us live via telephone as we explore a nine-week medical halacha webinar series, which is going to be starting later on in January. Chevy Rosner, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning. I can only imagine what the last few months have been like. I think the last time we spoke, in fact, we were on the topic of PPE and uh, helping out nurses that you come in contact with and others through this uh, crisis. Uh, how would you describe what's happening out there right now? Um, honestly, it's intense. Again, cases are up everywhere. The nurses are uh, in despair. We're trying to hold each other strong and uh, get through this. Very excited about the vaccinations, and we really hope everyone's going to consider taking it. Um, many of our nurses have been vaccinated fully already, and we're looking for the end of this dark tunnel. The um, Is there a, a date by which, or how many days or weeks from now, that you would think in this area, uh, most medical personnel, most nurses would have been vaccinated already. Like, is this something that, like, a week from now, if you're a nurse, chances are you've been vaccinated already, or that's not the case? So anyone who's wanted the vaccine has already received absolutely the first dose, and a lot of our nurses and nurse practitioners already received their second dose. So we're on our way. I would say within the next two to three weeks, weeks, most of our nurses will be fully vaccinated. And are there a lot of people in the medical world? And I, by that, I mean, you know, doctors and nurses, people who hang out in hospitals and sensitive situations like you're seeing in hospitals right now. Are, are there a lot who do not want to be vaccinated at this point? Would we, we'd be surprised at how many have turned it down? Uh, there, there are a lot who do not want it. I would say most of the Jewish nurses do want it. Um, personally, for me, my colleagues who are African-American or Hispanic tend to have a little bit more suspicion of the medical system. 
and they've actually declined the vaccine or want more time to think about it. Wow. Um, so I would say about 50 to 60 percent of my coworkers have received it and others are holding off and just want more time to think about it, do more research, hear more information about it. So it's it's pretty comparable to the public. And, and we're about to speak about a halacha series. From your experience, I'm not asking you to serve as a halachic decisor, but from your experience, have, have most, if not all, rabbis either strongly recommended or have, uh, in fact, decided that one must take the vaccine? Yes. All, all the rabbis that we're aware of uh, strongly encourage it or have already taken it in Israel as well as in America. Interesting, the way this breaks down on cultural lines. Uh, the uh, Orthodox Jewish Nurses Association is hosting a nine-week medical halacha webinar series that will cover topics that are frequently asked by the nurses in regard to care of their patients in hospital settings, outpatient settings, or home settings. It'll commence on January the 19th. It goes through March the 15th. The series is geared to healthcare professionals and is open to the public. Those who are presenting as part of this series include Rabbi Daniel Feldman, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, Rabbi Arya Leibowitz, Dr. Carolyn Fine-Levy, Rabbi Isaac Rice, Rabbi Jonasen Sachs, Rabbi Shai Schachter, Rabbi Ilan Segelman, Rabbi Tzvi Sabolovsky, and Rabbi Daniel Stein. This is quite an impressive lineup. Should I assume that this is a uh, seminar that's going to be happening in a Zoom-type atmosphere? Yes, it's going to be a Zoom session. It's going to be one session a week, and we have different topics every week. Some are strictly regarding uh, care of the patient. Others are uh, about healthcare professionals, for example, if you're mandated to work during a hurricane, a snowstorm, Shabbos, Yontif, how you manage that. During COVID, some people were mandated to work on Shabbos and Yontif, uh, which is unusual here in America. Right. Um, and then others are more technical. For example, we have uh, women's issue by Rabbi Elon Segelman. He's going to address mikvah if you have a feeding tube, if you have an ostomy, if your patient has sutures or just had surgery and had surgical glue, things like that, very technical um, how do we make accommodations for that? Um, we have a major topic on uh, end of life that's always coming up. We have a very active Facebook group, and this is constantly coming up. What do I do with the patient? Can I touch the patient? Am I allowed to turn off drips? Am I supposed to say a brach? Am I supposed to wash my hands? All these things that you know we're not taught in nursing school. So these are very, very relevant to all healthcare professionals, not just nurses. And it's uh, the series is open to all healthcare professionals. It is accredited for nursing credits as well as CME, nine credits. I, I am looking at this list of topics as I go through what each rabbi and presenter has been asked to speak about. It is mm -hmm. it is unbelievable. And, and I know you're not knocking the nursing schools when you say that, that this is no. not at all. Yeah, I mean, they, just they, matter they, of fact. They're giving, you, they're, 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 they're giving you a high-quality education in the world of nursing. Absolutely. But Absolutely. but these issues, I never I never thought of half of these issues, and I assume that your advantage is that you are you know in touch with so many nurses and healthcare professionals on a regular basis. You probably or whoever is responsible for it have just gathered all these up just based on real life situations that have come up over the last God knows how long. Yes, yes, I really searched through a lot of like the Facebook posts over the many years and the frequent questions and all the questions that just came up during COVID that kept being asked over and over again. Um, and I organize them according to categories. And instead of just doing a one session trying to get in a whole bunch of halachos, we decided to do a series where every week we could focus on one topic or one overall issue and get the most out of it that way. Wow. 
It's funny. You, you meant. I mean, the list here includes so many different things. This issue, I, I until COVID, I didn't even realize. And and why did it happen during COVID? Because you are so one is so isolated during COVID. You never know who might be the only person around to help you. So this issue, mm-hmm. this issue of somebody drawing their parent's blood or administering an yeah. injection to their parent, when again, it might be either the most convenient or the most safe way to do it, right? If someone's home and they shouldn't be leaving mm-hmm. because they need to be isolated because of health concerns and their child is capable of administering a vaccine, one may not even, I didn't even realize it was a halakhic issue until yeah. COVID started. What can a child do physically to a parent, even if, if what they're doing physically to a parent, which is obviously you know painful or causing a wound, but nonetheless is going to help down the road, right? Obviously injecting somebody is going to help down the road. So all these are important issues. And I guess I guess the most comforting, comforting, comforting thing is that all these have a resolution, <laughs> that, these questions, yeah. that these questions that seem so difficult, and so many of them are, thank God you have responsible halachic decisors that can you know give you a conclusion and tell you what to do. <laughs> not, not- or just raise awareness that these are potential issues and everyone should speak to their local rabbi or whoever they speak to on how to get around it. Right. Uh, there's another one that Rabbi Ari Leibowitz is going to speak about. There's a lot of even pediatric and adult patients who are on enteral nutrition. That means either through a feeding pump or a feeding tube, they're getting extra nutrition. Um, so a lot of them are not kosher, or a lot of them are not kosher for Pesach, or a lot of them come in metal cans, and some people don't open metal cans on Shabbos. So even tackling that is a big topic for many, many people. Many people have children or adult family members on feeding tubes. I love this yeah. one. You know, Rabbi Rice is going to be speaking about uh, mikvah falling during a night shift, davening. You know, you want to daven, but you're on a night shift. Halachas mm-hmm. of davening on a day shift when the minion is prior to work. Um, uh, females who uh, who are working in the hospital, they want to make havdalah at work so they, they can eat. All the, the reason I like that category of things is because these are you know a lot of things that people would never think of, or they would think yeah. of it, but they wouldn't think of it till it actually happened to them, and they wouldn't know what to do in that situation when it's actually happening to them. And, you know, I'm sure it's not always easy to, you know, run in the middle of your shift and try to find the rabbi to ask a question to. So it's better to be, exactly. pre- better to be prepared in advance. Um, and a lot of nurses or, you know, healthcare professionals, they do, t- if they're on night shift, they do tend to work two or three in a row just because of their sleep cycle. Right. So mikvah is a big problem. What right. if mikvah falls out on the first night and you're not back home, you know, for right. three days? So what do you do about that? I, many times I've had to make a havdalah at work if you know the if the fast ends on Sunday night and I'm at work. What am I supposed to do? Right. You know. So these are really technical, and these are all issues that have come up amongst our group you and, know, over the years. And then look at what Rabbi Feldman and Dr. Levy are going to be discussing. They're going to be discussing when someone when it seems that someone is about to die, how to deal with that person mm-hmm. about saying vidui when I assume you are the the only person around who could do it, right? Especially now. You're, you're now in, during COVID. Yeah, you're in hospital settings. You're not going to find a chaplain. You're not going to find a rabbi. You're not going to find, you may not find another Jewish person who's around yeah. to, to take care of these things. So what do you do yeah. as this person is dying and what do you do once they have passed away? I mean, my gosh, Correct. The, the things you have to mm-hmm. deal with is, is just unbelievable. Uh, and then, of course, the Shabbos material um, in terms of um, how to minimize Chilol Shab is not just going to or coming back from emergencies, but just basic things. You know, by, by the way, and, and this is fairly obvious you know, to everybody, you know, technology has created a system where now so much of what is being done in a hospital is obviously done by machine, by pressing buttons, by clicking on, on you know, on a mouse and, 
and administering something or keeping track of something. I mean, it's all it's all electronic now. So if someone's mm-hmm. in a setting like that on Shabbos, how do you deal with it? And how do you deal with different things that are uh, that you know need to be done? Whether it's uh, I guess taking people's blood pressure and other things. Uh, but even at home, let's say a child or an adult needs a nebulizer treatment. Let's say they have asthma. Let's say someone needs a feeding pump turned on. Like how do, how do people handle that at home in terms of Chol Shabbos? Right. Insulin pumps also. A lot of these things are electronic, and we need to know how to halakhically minimize Chilol Shabbos, but still take care of the patients or the, the children or adults at home. Unbelievable. All right. Um, it, it sounds like, uh, is this open to everybody, or is it only nurses and doctors? Yes. It's open to everybody. It's open to the public. Okay. Mm-hmm. So everybody out there, it all starts on the 15th, excuse me, on the 19th of January. It is a uh, it is a nine-week medical halacha webinar series uh, being presented by the Orthodox Jewish Nurses Association. You, you can actually go to jewishnurses.org slash halacha, jewishnurses.org slash halacha, and it'll cover topics that are frequently asked by the nurses in regard to care of their patients in hospital settings, outpatient settings, and home settings. January 19th through March the 15th with an incredible list of rabbis and presenters. The series is geared to healthcare professionals. It is, it is open to the public. And the Nursing Continuing Professional Development Activity was approved for nine contact hours by Northeast Multi-State Division, an accredited approver of the American Nurses Credentialing Center's Commission on Accreditation. So those of you out there who are concerned that uh, this, you know, whether it would be included in continuing education, there are credits available for all this. And I know that's important. As well as CMEs. And CMEs. nine CME credits. And nine CME credits as well. Um, check mm-hmm. it out, everybody. Go to jewishnurses.org slash halacha. Well, you've brought a lot of very important issues to us this morning, I must say. A lot of things I never yes. thought about and things I'm sure you encounter on a regular basis. So again, yes. I will say kolakavod to all the Thank doctors you. and nurses, but especially the Jewish doctors and nurses who have the additional challenge of trying to take care of people when uh, things like uh, Shabbos and many other halachic areas uh, seep into your uh, into your day it must be uh, must be very challenging. You have to really be on top of it. So, kolakavo to all of you, and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Have a great day. Chevy Rosner is president of the Orthodox Jewish Nurses Association. The medical halacha webinar series, which again includes a million important topics, and I'm almost not exaggerating when I say a million. Um, it starts on January the nineteenth. Go to JewishNurses.org/halacha, and again. This time, I don't always do this in terms of encouraging the general public to go to a specialized webinar, but everybody out there, and, and especially if you have situations at home you know, where medical care is uh, prominent, um, everybody out there can gain from this. It's an incredible halacha series with amazing presenters. Check it out, jewishnurses.org slash halacha. More coming up. You're listening to a, uh, what is today? Tuesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Chevy Rosner about the upcoming seminar, a very important halachic seminar brought to you by the Orthodox Jewish Nurses Association. That's it for this week's edition of JM Rewind. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up. If you keep it right here at the Nachum Siegel Network.